Okay, hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 22. We have a very special episode today because uh, Scott Villeneuve from, he's the founder of Limited Slip Blog, uh, and he's joining us today to talk about some interesting stuff. He's owned quite a few BMWs in the past and he has one right now. Um, so we're just going to talk to him a little bit about you know some of the cars he's owned, both BMWs and non-BMWs, kind of like the future of the brand and stuff like that, see what he thinks. So it's, it's going to be a good episode. So uh, hi, Scott. Thanks for joining us this morning. Nico, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Um, Thanks. It's great to have you yeah, you uh, you you've done some really cool stuff with BMWs in the past. You have a couple, um, and you know you have a blog like we do, so you you're kind of in the business as well. So I kind of want to like I really want to talk about the fact that you just had an F80 M3, and if am I correct in saying that you traded it in for uh, an M235i Grand Coupe? I did yes. Okay, so what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a pretty interesting like switch from an M3 to an M235i Grand Coupe. It's a big difference in cars. So what are your thoughts yeah. on the two? Um, so I think the, the, the big thing to maintain here is, is the way that I use the car. Um, you know, I, I, that car to me, um, the, the F80 that I just had was, was they're fun cars. Um, but I don't think they're as engaging as some of the older M cars and things like that. And yes, I've had multiple F eighties, but, um, as, as far as the M two thirty five goes, uh, I just got it a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's not, it's not a true M car. I mean, I, I think everybody kind of realizes that and, you know, you just kind of accept it as you go along, but it's not half bad in terms of fun i i kind of look at it as is um i mean obviously you have the the uh, one series in europe which is kind of the hot hatch but we get kind of the cla competitor here um so it's kind of a fun little front wheel drive based you know kind of zip around car which for what i do like like i said I, we have the blog but i also work outside of that and for my commute and what i do it's perfectly adequate it's a good daily you know it's yeah it's it's nothing it's not going to be the tail happy you know kind of crazy performance car exactly. that an three is but it's certainly you know still a fun daily driver right exactly um the 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 big thing that the big takeaway for me is um how the new tech in all the new BMWs. So, so the logical choice would have been, oh, you should have gotten an M340i instead of your uh, M235 front wheel drive based yeah. mini, right? right so, yeah. um, yes, in, in that regard, yes. But uh, I leased it. So I don't know. I'm sure, uh, at least back when I was in BMW sales, so I sold BMWs for about uh, five years. So okay. it was kind of kind of an interesting uh, when I had my first two F80s. BMW was the ultimate leasing machine, right? So <laughs> so you uh, it was it was people didn't care about the brand as much as they cared about the payment. So now right. um, it was interesting that they rolled out the programs with the grand coupes the 228 and the m235 when they did i don't think it's a great looking car 
uh, personally, <laughs> but um, it just, I wasn't gonna it say just kind of, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the front looks good. The side is kind of where it loses me and the, and the back straight on looks good. Um, but uh, the, the programs that they rolled out with the launch of the car were extremely aggressive in my opinion. So you could have, le okay. you can lease one of these cars pretty cheaply. So that's kind of where we were and, you know, kind of went monthly payment based uh, in that, right. in that aspect, the 340 does not have the, the M340 doesn't have the same su support right now. So I guess you could say that, yes, I'm, I'm uh, going back to my old customer side of things rather than the, <laughs> and the uh, salesman side of things. Right. Right. So that's, that's interesting though. So I actually, I kind of like the fact that you did that because the, the M235i is a car that doesn't get a lot of love from enthusiasts right now. I, I so, don't, I don't doubt it. So the, the fact that like you're willing to say, yeah, it's not the, you know, the most, the purest M car, it's not the craziest M car, but it's a good car and it's, it's fun. And you know, it suits me. I, I kind of like that. It is definitely, it is definitely fun. So I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough the people that don't that just discredit it because it's different uh that's probably not the right way to look at it so if you if you go into it saying yes it's based on a mini it's a front wheel drive uh architecture it's not an inline uh uh it's you know not the it's the transverse mounted or whatever you know right so, so these kind of people is that really who BMW's making cars for these days Unfortunately, probably not, right? No. So they're selling more cars while they have uh they're not right now, but just in general, yeah, they've sold more cars now than they have previously, you know? Yeah. So when when you're when you cater to only enthusiasts, you have a problem. Porsche decided that they were gonna make SUVs, they were gonna make sedans, they were gonna make wagons even. Yeah. They're selling a heck of a lot more cars now than they did 20 years ago. So, right. you know, you got you to gotta change with the times. And that's kind of what BMW did. And this is just the newest way of going about it. And it, I, I don't look at it as a bad thing. I think, I think it's kind of a thing that every company kind of needs to adjust um, we just won't talk about their social media strategy and things like that. In this episode, so. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can, we can critique their products and things like that. I'm not going to critique their social media. <laughs> yeah. We'll stay away from that one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for sure. So you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the BMW, like the BMW enthusiast isn't their main target anymore. And that might upset a lot of, you know, the enthusiast fan base and the people that read our, our site, but yes. you know, it's kind of, you're right. I mean, Porsche did the same thing with the Cayenne. I mean, people thought the, the Cayenne was going to ruin Porsche, right? That the purists thought it was the, the worst thing to ever happen, exactly. but now they're making more money than ever. And that gives them money to that. You know, that allows them to create crazy things like the GT three RS and GT two RS and, mm -hmm. you know, nine eighteen spider and stuff that, you know, requires tons of R and D money. You know, the Cayenne makes them that money and BMW is in the same, is in a similar position. You know, BMW is making yes. cars for everyone now. And that exactly. gives them the R and D budget to make things like, you know, the next, uh, you know, the crazy, the M five, which is, you know, incredible. And 
some things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. I, I appreciate that, you know, cause you're a, a car enthusiast in general and you, you've had several BMWs. So the fact that you can go from an F80 M3 or just an M, any M3 in general to a car like the M235i shows an open mind. And I think that's, that's cool to see out of any car enthusiast. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it is. I mean, my first BMW was a, uh, E92 335i coupe. So that's a great car, you know, and that was, to this day, still my favorite BMW that I've owned. I mean, it's not as good as my dad's E92 M3, which uh, <laughs> is kind of a collector piece at this point with what the prices on those yeah. are doing. Yeah, they're, um, they're getting they're very popular now. Yeah, if you have if you have like a rare spec and things like that, it's they're pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you I, you and I are kind of in a similar position where we can drive a lot of different things. Um, right. You know, we, we get press cars and things like that, just like you guys do. And you really see how good everybody's cars are these days. I mean, there's very few cars that I drive that I just say, all right, I could never drive this. Exactly. I've more had than this feeling. Week. Right. And, you know, I, some of the most fun cars I've driven in recent memory, uh, you know, the Hyundai Veloster N was unbelievable unbelievable car um you know this the uh and then you can go the complete opposite side of the spectrum i have a toyota sequoia uh trd pro right now we took it off-roading yesterday what a ton of fun that is (laughs) that car that car right now it it hasn't been really redesigned other than a facelift since 2007, 2008. Yeah. And yeah, the they, with there, yeah. 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 I mean, let's, let's roll it out nice and slow. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, I just look at it that way that that car, you know, has been on sale for so long and yet BMW, for example, what's the longest the car goes before an LCI, you know, um, oh, like three, four three years, years max. if that, three, yeah. uh, I, I, I mean the new, uh, three series is probably going to be getting one here in what the next 18 months. It may be, I guess. So, I don't know. I haven't heard of so, it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you, that's something to think about for sure. Yeah. Um, so you said you had an E92 335i. How many, mm-hmm. uh, like what other BMWs have you had aside from that and the F80 and the current, uh, uh so I had that. Um, and then I had three F80s in a row. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, I was in, I was a, a salesperson for a while, a client advisor as BMW calls them. And the, in 2015, I ordered a, um, fading fairly poverty spec. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just for the lowest lease payment. And I mean, the lease payment was like $400 a month at that point That's with crazy. a for an M3. Yeah, it was a center employee leases were really strong. So that was a 15. 2016, they had the first LCI. So you had the new taillights, um, a lot of extra standard features in the introduction of the competition package. So I ordered ordered one of those, got out of my 15 into that car. I had the first one on the East Coast, actually. Um, Nice. (laughs) And it was a Yas Marina over Silverstone car. Oh, and that was, that was a cool car driving dynamics wise. It was a, a stark contrast, um, compared to the 15 because the comp package came with the adaptive suspension, which I didn't have on my first car. Right. Um, but man, that thing rode 
rough. And I don't know if your listeners or things like that kind of put up with harsh rides. Cause like I said, I drive everything. So I kind of know the, the overall landscape, but if you just yeah. drive that car every day and that's all you experience, I mean, I had that car for about two and a half years. And, um, by the time I was done with that car, there were thing trim pieces and things like that that were like rattling out of the car. So I don't know. That's how hard <laughs> that those cars rode. Um, at least mine did. And no, the shipping blocks weren't in it. So, uh, right. you know, just stuff like that. And that to me after a while is just kind of degrading. So then yeah. I found, then a couple years went by. I, I actually got rid of that car, got a 911. And, um, Oh, I forgot. I forgot you had the 911. <laughs> you forgot about the 911. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. So, uh, I had the 911. Uh, that car was interesting. It was a 2014, uh, C2S, um, with the PDK. Cause I personally, I am in, uh, agreement that I'm a big fan of dual clutch transmissions. BMW's DCT is very good. Uh, yeah. Porsche's uh, PDK is probably the best I've driven. Yeah, it's probably um, the best on the market. That that and the uh, we had a McLaren 650S for a, a day and a half, and that car had a very good program to their transmission. Although reliability wise, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> so then, from the 911, which was a great car, you know, we I, I was I got the Audi after that and i still have that but the, yeah. the daily driver kind of i didn't really have one because we we're getting so many press cars and you know just kind of keeping doing with that and uh right. i decided about uh let's see now eight months ago or so i was like you know it's time to get another daily driver and i looked at prices of 2015 m3s because i actually preferred like the ride and everything of my 15 M3 over the 16, even though the comp package is the way to go for total driving dynamics. Yeah. And yeah, for sure, because the 19s and things like that, I know you could get the competition package with 19s, but why would you? Because the 666 M's are way better looking. Yeah, um, great looking wheel. So I ended up getting that, uh, I ended up getting an F80 uh, after that adaptive suspension and interestingly that one had the carbon ceramic brake option okay. um yeah, yeah. that that's nice that i noticed a difference in the unsprung mass with the steering really? with the steering of the car yeah i because i'd spent so much time in the other two um you know i had probably between the two of those yep um between the other two cars i probably had 24 Five to thirty thousand miles under my belt in an F eighty, and then with this okay, car, I really, I really noticed quite a bit of difference on uh, turn in in particular. Um, but you know, it, it's it was an interesting car, and then uh, after a while, it's just you know you say, I don't know if I need this much for a daily driver. So that's kind of where we right. circle back to the beginning, and we got the. M two thirty five, yeah. Now your F eighty, the one that you just uh, traded in for, that was a pretty interesting spec, right? Wasn't like an interesting color spec. It was it was a all right? So this is a very strange situation, and I actually just found this out 
um, not too long ago. So that was what seemed to be a pre-production car that really? was somehow for sale. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, so on the original build sheet, it's listed as Moonstone Metallic. However, okay. when I got the car, it was definitely not Moonstone Metallic because it's frozen silver. <laughs> yeah, so I remember it. I remember it, you, yeah. when you first got it, you said it was frozen silver. Yeah, it was, I, we were talking about it. It was frozen silver uh, over opal white with white ash wood grain trim, carbon brakes. And then about a week before I decided to trade it in, I looked and I got some information on the car. And it appears that it was a European market car that BMW used for some sort of marketing purposes that huh. they then brought to the U.S. and completely federalized the car. So it had a bill at the port for about $27,000. Oh, my crap. Because <laughs> they had to change out the entire wiring harness, the screens, everything like that. The whole, oh you, when, you think about, when you think about what they have to do um, right. to federalize a car that's in all European uh, you know, the headlights bend the wrong way, you know, things like that. So they got, they had to do all of that. Yeah. Which led to why the car had such odd options that were no cost, uh, items like the led headlights, the blind spot monitor, the heads up display, uh, all listed, all listed under standard equipment, which we all know it wasn't. So (laughs) yeah, it was, it was a weird, weird experience. Um, yeah. And if you find the car, for sale right now buy it it's pretty nice yeah i was gonna say is that it, it worth is, looking it for it is for sale right now yeah if, <laughs> if you want it it's a cool car yeah it seemed cool it had a really interesting spec i didn't realize that had such an interesting story european yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's quite the, it's car. quite the story yeah i i i because bmw it on their interior you know software computers for dealers and things like that tells you all this stuff so uh That's it was pretty interesting, interesting. How yeah. many miles were on it when you got it? Uh, just under 20,000. And okay, so it wasn't got, a press uh, car. No, no. It wasn't a European press car because you don't want to buy a press car. It was owned previously. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, it, was, it was like a marketing car. It was not a press car. Um, it, was, it, it did like show events and things like that. I right. think BMW individual like event car. Oh, that makes sense because the interesting yeah, it was owned. It was owned by FS, not, not like a... Um, uh, not like a demo or anything like that. It wasn't punched as a as a loaner, right? Okay, yeah. I was gonna say because when you said it was a BMW marketing car, I was like, oh, I hope I didn't buy a, a press fleet. No, car, no it, was not, it was not a press fleet <laughs> car. No, see, this no. they have like five thousand miles on it, and it's like they have a hundred thousand miles on it. Yeah. Sometimes I was, so I, was I was offered uh, I was offered an M two that they used at the driving school in South Carolina for a while, and I'm like, absolutely not, because they can't no. sold, they can't be sold with a warranty. Yeah, no, no so way. I, was like, I, I was not interested in that whatsoever. No, not after the the abuse those things take. No, no. Nope. I mean, you I've can't, you some can't press convince cars. me it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gotten some press cars. They have like three, four thousand miles on them, and they genuinely seem beat up. You know, because yeah. journalists really yeah. they flog on these things. So yeah, I had a, I had a Kia Stinger that the brakes were completely warped. Um, oh my because god! The, the previous loan, they they did a track test on it, and uh, I actually found the video. Uh, after I wrote my article online, I'm like, all right, what happened to this car before <laughs> you saw it? And I was like, ah, that explains it. That's funny. 
actually, I recently got a press car. I won't say what brand and I won't say who from, but I got a press car recently and the, the rear tires were like bald when I got it. And actually they were, they had like chunks missing and I had to bring it back. I was like, dude, I can't drive this. The rear tires are like so beat up. And it turns out that another journalist, like the week prior to me taking it, did a crazy burnout video and just tore the rear tires to pieces. So I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that, that has to be some sort of, uh, well, I mean, it could be an M car. Uh, I'm not going to say. I, I know you're not. <laughs> uh, now, now I'm going to have to think about it. We'll talk about it after. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, so you've gone, so you talk about your, you had the M3s, then you went to a 911, and now you actually have, you, so you traded in the 911, and you got an Audi R8, right? Yes. Yes, I do. So tell me a little bit about that, because I think the R8 is definitely, you know, a lot of being, BMW enthusiasts don't like Audi too much, but the R8, I feel like it's a car that gets respect from every car enthusiast. So tell, tell me a little bit about your R8. Um, so as a little bit of a background. So I, when I graduated college, my first job was actually, um, out off of college rather, um, was a client advisor for an Audi dealership. And I sold a couple R8s. Now this was back in, uh, 2011, 2012. Okay. And that was before they had the, the refresh and things like that. And I said to myself, I said, you know what? One day I will have one of these because <laughs> I, I liked them a lot. Oh, and, uh, and after I had the 911 for a while, it, it was about eight months or so. And, you know, as we all do, we're on Auto Trader or Cars.com <laughs> or whatever you, you're constantly looking at. And I don't know about you, but I have different searches for different things, and whatever pops up, I'll look at it. Right, like and, the notifications for searches. Yeah, and stuff. exactly, exactly. So I had um, I had the nine eleven. I bought it right. Um, it just so happened to be um, at a BMW dealership, so they wanted my M three really badly, and oh, because they were going to CPO it and sell it, they had somebody that wanted the exact color combination. Oh, there you so go. So this was the blue car. So I got the 911 for, I would say, substantially below market on that car. Um, and then Perfect. I put about 3,000 miles on it in eight months. It wasn't my daily driver. Wow. <laughs> and um, I sold it for, well, traded it in on the Audi for more than what I bought it for from the dealership. Oh, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's the, this, the dream. This does, this does have something to do with markets. So I'm in upstate New York. The car was in upstate New York. The Audi was in Atlanta, Georgia. So ah. the car is worth substantially more in Atlanta, Georgia than it is in upstate New York in September, October when I bought the Audi. Uh, this was 2018. So, so it's really playing the markets, huh? Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting cuz cuz a lot of people, you know, don't think about that. You know, your rear-wheel drive Corvette, for example, is going to be worth probably 5 to 10% more in Florida than it is in upstate New York if you're trying to sell it in February. You know. Right, right. So yeah, you got to think about that stuff. Yeah, so it was it was kind of interesting and and when I saw that car um I said, you know, I just, I just got to have it. So I bought that. Now it's a 2015 
V10 competition. It's the last year and last edition of the original R8. Um, right, right, because the t- so, 2016 was the second gen. Yeah, 16, it came as a 17 here. Um, oh, okay. And I, I don't know, I'm just not sold on the looks of the newer ones. I, I just don't think they look as special. I think the original ones, uh, like the 2008 V8, is probably the best looking one. Yeah, um, I agree. And then my edition and the GT kind of look exactly the same because they had the the canards, the wing, yeah, the matte carbon on the outside. Right. Um, so yeah, and and the big thing for me was I wanted one that was not a single clutch transmission. I wanted the dual clutch transmission. Yeah, because that R, was it the Rtronic. It got a lot R-tronic. of Rtronic. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so because I had driven. Uh, when I was at Audi, I drove an R-Tronic R8, and I said, you know, I could live with it, but I would know after a while that uh, I was going to be getting a clutch at some point, and uh, nobody wants right. that. So, But as a car, that is quite an experience. You know, I, myself, yes, I've had all these turbo cars, which makes almost no sense, but I also had the 911. My father's had some 911s. And I'm a big proponent of naturally aspirated engines. I like linearity and the power band, things like that. I like high revving engines. And that's just kind of how I like it. So think back, my first interaction with the BMW was my 335, but then he got an M3 and that to me was more fun, more of a fun car, you know, the the E92 M3. Yeah, naturally Uh, aspirated V8 versus the double charge. Exactly. So... That's just kind of uh, my my side of it. I, I do I drive the Audi quite a bit. I've had it out. I put I do put it away for the winter, but I've had it out a couple times this year already. Um, yeah, I mean, it's but yeah, a great it's, car. it is. And and you know, just because you're a BMW person doesn't mean you can't appreciate other cars, right? Of course. Of course. I mean, I, I like to say that we're car enthusiasts first, and then, you know, we like BMWs a lot. We're exactly. also BMW enthusiasts. Exactly. But I like any car from any company as long as it's interesting or cool. You know, like as long as it interests me, I like it. I don't care where it comes from. Exactly. I, I've got my I've got my eyes on a C sixty three black series. That's that's the Ooh, next thing that I I've wanted so badly. But uh yeah. That's a car that I'd want to drive before I buy it. And uh, the fact oh, that yeah. there's only about 75 to 80 of them here in the country, that's going to be pretty tough. Yeah, that would be uh, a really, really cool car to have. You might need a spine transplant after driving that over normal roads. <laughs> that's how it after felt about the competition package <laughs> car after a while. Really? Was that yeah, after a while? Yeah. It, the, the big thing with the R8 is... So, so the competition that I have does not have the magnetic suspension, which is, oh yeah, that's one car, the the mag ride. Yeah. Those, um, that's a, that's a large failure rate on those. Uh, they mag ride. Yeah. The fluid leaks and things like that. And, um, that's an expensive fix. It's like $4,000, $4,000 corner. So the V 10 plus the 14, 15 V10 plus and the competition from 15 came with fixed springs. Okay. Just like regular, not adjustable, regular conventional, you know, your regular suspension. Right. I still can't believe how well that car rides. 
it's really the, the RA competition. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and and I think that has everything to do with the dynamics of mid-engine. So, you know, you don't have to compensate for weight up front. You have perfect distribution in the middle. Right, uh, it's a I lot easier for the, the the suspension to handle that sort of weight load. Exactly. So, because yeah, and the also the big it's thing a, is, I mean, if exactly, and and you know. People who have not driven a mid-engine car, there's quite a few out there that are pretty cheap that you can go drive, like early Caymans and Boxsters and things like that. I would yeah, I definitely encourage, <laughs> right? Um, I would definitely encourage going to look at those just to see how the dynamics are different than what you're used to. You know, BMW is big on the front-engine rear-wheel drive, so yeah, yeah, you got the front-engine rear drive check out a mid-engine rear drive, mid-engine all-wheel drive, and then maybe even check out a rear engine. You know, a 911, they've been doing it a really long time. They know how to make that car drive well. And uh, right. it, the, the saying is true. There's not really a bad 911 out there to drive. So. Yeah, they're very, they're very specific. You know, it has a very specific feel. Yes. And if you like it, there's yes. nothing else like it. Like if exactly. you buy the 11, there's just nothing else that's going to satisfy you because it's yeah. very specific. It's very different. I mean, I, I love. Go, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I, I love the idea that Porsche basically stuck with a, a wrong configuration. Like rear engine, rear wheel drive is kind of like lopsided, Correct. but they've stuck with it and stubbornly made it just so damn good. I just love that. <laughs> I know. And, and we talk about the, the BMW community being very outspoken. D oh, there, yeah. <laughs> there is nothing. I dove headfirst into the Porsche world for about three and a half years. I'm still kind of there. Um, that is a diehard community. So you BMW people do not have it that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. They really, yeah, they though that is cutthroat. Especially oh yeah, I mean they went from the they switched to water cooling and it was you know the world no. was ending. I know. <laughs> enough enough about me kind of continue the conversation in a different direction because this is <laughs> kind of a free-for-all today i guess we're yeah we're it's, it's a little it's bit of everything yeah we're we're loose here we're, we don't get too uh yeah. too strict but um actually i do want to talk about because so you said naturally aspiration or natural aspiration is your 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 thing um and you have uh you know you've had a lot of turbocharged cars you've had naturally aspirated cars you like you like that. How, what do you feel about electric cars? Because there's a lot of upcoming electric stuff in just in general. I mean, the industry is making that change to electric cars and BMW, despite being a little bit late to the party is sort of, you know, making that switch as well. You have the upcoming I four and stuff like that. So what do you feel about, you know, electric cars? Do you, would you possibly own one? Um, the question of possibly owning one and being forced to own one are, <laughs> uh, are kind of a, an interesting take. I, I think for what I do, yeah, I could probably own a Model 3 or something like that. Um, I just, I'm not a fan of the company that Tesla is. Um, yeah. but I, I think their cars and what they can do with the technology is, uh, beyond reproach at this point. I think they have their foot firmly on top of the, the electric car mountain right now. 
And I think they took the world by surprise. Elon Musk being what he is, um, you know, and I think as a result of that, they kind of have the lion's share. You know, you look at the e-tron, you look at the uh, iPace, you look at the upcoming, what is that, EQC, the uh, yeah, an i4, you said? Yeah, BMW's upcoming i4. So all these range numbers, the e-tron has fallen substantially short. The um, yeah. Jaguar's short of where Tesla has been for years. Now, does that mean that their Teslas are somewhat disposable? Possibly. <laughs> um, that was an interesting take that Matt Farah brought up, and I kind of like it. Um, I kind of ran with that when I heard that the first time. <laughs> um, and it, they do... I've been in a few of them. I've been in the Model X and a Model S. I have not been in a 3 yet. Not a Y, actually. It's not the 3. Don't... They feel put together, but not by somebody who cares. <laughs> does does <laughs> that make any sense? Yes. I mean, they... You know, I when the Model X that I got into, uh, yes, it was a first year of that car. Um, I could see almost a gap in the door when I was in the car. You know, I could almost see outside from inside. Right. Yeah. Um, Panel and, gaps and build quality have been long been an issue. With yeah, Tesla. they they have, but the tech, the batteries. Now, my only thing is, are they pushing the batteries to a limit to where they're in 10 years, the half-life of that battery has been used up compared to a Jag I-Pace or an e-tron that still has, you know, say 80% of the original battery life left. Right. You know, that's so, the kind of thing that I interesting. look at. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to bring up because I was on the um, the Audi e-tron press launch. In, um, not, it wasn't a press launch for the actual car. It was like they did a separate uh, launch to basically test Regional, it. yeah. It was in um, California, okay. we went to like Lake Tahoe and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. basically to test the the range of it to show how far it could actually drive because they were getting a little bit of heat for its cl- its claimed it's range. Two hundred and six miles yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. so they kind of wanted to prove that it could really do the full two hundred and six or whatever it is. So we were on that event, and one of the, they had like a little, uh, you know, their their typical briefing in the morning before a drive, and they were talking about the fact that they do actually build like it could do more than that, but they build in a 10% buffer on both the top and the bottom end of the battery. So 20% buffer. So it, the idea is that, you know, it's not going to degrade so much to the point that in 10 years, it's not going to have, you know, anywhere near the battery capacity it has now. That's what I've been reading on and thinking about. And that's my biggest hesitation because, because let's, let's put it this way. Automo, uh, the, the general, you know, internal combustion slash, um, you know, even if you went hybrid powertrain, uh, not plug-in, but regular hybrid powertrain, there's not really anywhere else to go there. You know, I, I mean, you have Koenigsegg doing crazy things, but that's kind of an outlier. Yeah. You you look at electric cars. Um, there's something new in that space almost every six months. So, yeah. When the 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 curve is so 
crazy high right now with you know how we're doing certain things and the oh we changed this part of the manufacturing process and we can get this much more out of the battery we developed this new lithium ion cell um you know you you there's so many new advances in that space right now that i would never buy an electric car i would lease one right just because by the time you're done with that lease the next one that's out is probably going to be at least a third better range wise than what you have right now yeah that's that's my biggest hesitation it's like exactly you know um would i i don't want to say that i wouldn't own a tesla I, i actually haven't driven uh one in a while it's it's a unique experience i i do want to drive a tycon um quite 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 badly oh, yes me too <laughs> that car i don't know i i don't know i i i think it looks halfway decent um i think they've been really ravaged by the epa uh, as far as their claimed range but if you look at all the independent testing that magazines have done and even that Porsche's done themselves, they're getting almost 300 miles of range. So, you know, yeah, the EPA is uh, yeah. stricter than like the, yep. the European WLTP and stuff like that. They are. They're, they're far um, and I think as a result, the, at least when you look at how they test electric cars, there's a lot of uncertainty about it. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, differentiation between i i don't think they're fully set up to test electric cars yet to their full potential and i don't think they will be for a while just because it's still so new and it's evolving so quickly um and i think that's part of the problem it is right it's hard to catch up yeah right now i think the way to go is a plug-in hybrid personally yeah i think that's a that's a sentiment shared by a lot of Mm -hmm. Uh, car enthusiasts and a lot of car companies as well like especially a company like bmw who is very pro plug-in hybrid like whenever you know they keep talking about they're going to uh you know have x amount of electrified vehicles in the next like five years but when they say electrified it means anything with an electric anything with a battery basically so plug-in hybrid you know fully electric but it's mostly going to be plug-in hybrids and that kind of bothers uh, a lot of the EV fans, the Tesla fans, people like that, because they think, well, it's not, they're not doing enough. But the fact of the matter is that our infrastructure isn't part. really set up yet for massive, massive influxes of electric cars. So if, right, which they don't share their superchargers with anyone. So it, it makes it much more difficult for the masses to have electric cars, which is why plug-in hybrids work really that, well. That I right agree now. with you. That would be you the know? way that I would go probably for the next five years and then see where we're at. That, I think that's a, that's a mm-hmm. smart way to play it too. Cause you kind of just, and again, you don't want to, like you would never buy it, right? Never. You don't want to invest in like, uh, you know, tech exactly. be outdated in a year, but also you just see where, you know, be patient, see where mm-hmm. it goes, you know, kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit with plugins. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, I, I, get that. I personally, I think some of the best plugins on the market, uh, I, the, New three series actually looks pretty good. It's what twenty two miles of range. 
yeah, something like that. I hear it is quite good. And when you, if if um, your commute, what's the average commute? Ten miles one way or something like that in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, I think in the U.S. the average commute is about ten miles. Yeah, if you can get to and from work, not right now because of coronavirus. um, (laughs) Yeah, stay home. home. uh, Without the gas motor turning on that much, and you uh, fill your tank once a month. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's not bad. Yeah, that's right? awesome. You, you know? know, like, you, and you charge up at home, with, drive to work, right. charge up at work, drive back home, right. and you barely ever use the gas tank. All right. And the big thing with plugins is you can go anywhere with them. Right. You know, you can, you can just fill the gas tank if you want to drive from where I live, say, out to Boston or something like that. Exactly. Um, you know, you, you have that flexibility. I was just going to say that. And yeah, that's the thing cool. with electric cars. You're constantly looking for a charge station if it's not a Tesla. <laughs> right. Uh, that's open, that's accepting of this charge card, but not this one, and is this brand, but not that brand. Right. It gets very confusing. Um, there's too many uh, cooks in the kitchen with, with the uh, charge point and all that kind of stuff yeah. uh, right now. Yeah, they need to like kind of centralize it. You know, they need to. They need to. Yes. Uh, that, that's not the word I'm looking for. I'm having a bit of a brain fart, but um, yeah, they need they need to um kind of just figure out what they're doing, right? And then how can we right. all profit off this and take it to Tesla for the people that don't want a Tesla? They want a Jaguar, a BMW, a Mercedes, an Audi. Um, you know, even even the Bolt, for God's sake, that's a great car. It is it's a great car, the Bolt. And, and, you know, think about things like that. How can all these little, I mean, I don't want to say they're little companies, but they're not huge companies. Um, how can they all kind of, you know, come together and plan a system where they can all benefit each other? Say they all take one pass and each one can charge all different types of cars they have different applicate or uh, charge plugs and things like that how can they all allow people to drive from maine to florida and say okay any of these char- these charge stations will work i don't need to go to specifically this one yeah, yeah that's that, the big that definitely problem. needs to be standardized like yes uh, Thank you. Like that's the word. Yeah, that's what I was looking yes. for. It, but it does get crazy. And that's the biggest problem, I think, with electric cars. It's not so much the range. Like you look at the, uh, the Audi e-tron is the one that probably gets you know kicked around the most because its range is so low for how expensive the yeah. car is. Um, mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be a problem if you could quickly charge anywhere. Like if you could stop off wherever you know easily and charge up quickly – it wouldn't be a problem, exactly. but most places exactly. were like the, the e-tron's capable of 150 kilowatt charging, same as the upcoming BMW i4 and the Porsche Taycan, but the places, and that'll charge it up like 80% in 15 minutes or something really fast. But the places mm-hmm. that you can do that are so few and far between that it's really not that helpful yet. So it's great that the tech is there. It's great that it's it sort of future proofs it so that when, you know, those charging stations become more regular, more common that the cars already have the tech, but right now that's really not that helpful. So it really comes mm-hmm. down to charging infrastructure needs to develop so much quicker or, or the electric car is going to, you know, 
take forever to, to really develop. You know, the, the infrastructure needs to be there first. And uh, right. I think that's the, the biggest problem we face with EVs right now. That's exactly it. So, I mean, I actually like electric cars. Um, I've driven the i3 a ton. The i3s on autocross tracks is actually surprisingly fun. Um, I've driven the e-tron. Uh, the i3 dynamics-wise was pretty good. Yeah, it's such a silly I... little happy car. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. It looks weird. Uh, Hiroshi has had, I think, three. That's their point. biggest problem. How many has he had? Three. I think he's on his third lease. I mean, they're cheap enough. Oh right? yeah, he, he they're ridiculously cheap. It's actually shocking every time he tells me what his lease price is. I'm like, really? It's like a fifty thousand yeah. dollar carbon fiber BMW. It's that cheap to lease? It's crazy because yeah. they're just giving it away at this point. Um, yeah. But that that's that ship has sailed, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, he has it because he lives in Chicago, so you know, an EV is perfect for him, and it's so tiny, right. it's so easy to drive through the city. But even he's like. I can't wait for the i4 to come out because he wants something electric, but the i3, even he says it, he doesn't like the way it looks. So you mm-hmm. know, he's had three of them. He doesn't like it. So, or at least he doesn't like the way it looks. It drives. He loves the way it drives, but I don't like how the M235 looks either. <laughs> I have one. See, see, that's uh that's open-mindedness. I like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's actually funny. Hiroshi and I just talked about the M235. I, uh, in the last episode of the podcast, cause we had just, we both driven it quite a bit now at this point. You're kind of giving our like, uh, um, you know, our opinions on, it. and it's so it's interesting to have you on to this week, uh, right after having uh, yeah having now bought it. So it's kind of interesting. I actually I thought it was a pretty good car. Yeah, it's 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 great at what it does. It's it was funny. We haven't really had any. I haven't driven anything other than the R8 recently that was you know overly sporty. So we obviously have this Sequoia this week and my wife's like, Hey, can we not take that and take the BMW instead tonight when we go <laughs> run to target to try and find some toilet paper? Right. So, so, uh, you know, we, we took that and, you know, it was just a little more fun. And when you're in the, albeit limited traffic at that point, it is kind of a zippy darty car, which is the interesting part of it. You know, the M3, Never really felt kind of zippy. I don't know why, but this it, size-wise, it's not that much smaller than the F80. No, it's um, actually not. It's surprisingly big for a small car. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but the M3 always felt kind of like a bull, a bull in a china shop, you know. Yeah. This this car kind of feels like you're kind of zipping through traffic, and you know, kind of like the small car vibe, which is is interesting. Yeah, and it. it one thing we noted too was that because the steering is like hyper fast, it's a really fast steering rack in that car. <laughs> it really yeah, is. And it's the engine is so punchy low down. So it really gives you this sensation that you yeah. can just slice through traffic and like with such ease. I will say that as a, as one of its yeah. positives, it really can like dice traffic up because it's so little. It's steering is so quick and it has so much immediate torque. So that you just twitch the wheel, you know, twitch the gas and you're in a different lane you know it's crazy everything over um what is it like 1500 rpm you're like almost full torque yeah it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy there is there is quite a bit of lag between like the fat the your basic turn on uh your idle and your um 
you know, the 1500, there's quite a bit of turbo lag, but that's pretty big turbo in there. So yeah, yeah, it is. But it also has 302 horsepower. So to make that little engine have that much power, you need a big turbo and that comes a little bit of lag. Exactly. Right. But uh, yeah, it's, if it's you ever drove the old CLA, you really anticipate turbo lag. I haven't actually, I haven't driven this old CLA. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, they, you want to talk about a cheap interior. That is a cheap interior. Yeah, I've, I've um, heard bad things about all like the entry-level Mercedes good. interiors of the past generation. Well, I mean, even the 1 Series, let's put it this way, the, the original 1 Series that we had here, that didn't have a very good interior. No, it wasn't great, but I've always liked that it car because it's tiny and rear-wheel drive. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's dynamics. The dynamics of that car are great, but even the two series, um, not the Grand Coupe, the uh, the old one, two series um, coupe, the coupe, just yeah. regular coupe. Yeah, what is that? The F twenty two or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I forgot what its chassis code is. It's not a great interior. Yeah, it's okay. It's not bad, but it's not like That's, doesn't light your hair I, on fire. I know you and I have spoken off podcast about how um, you know the F thirty F eighty. Any of those like plant the screen on top of the dashboard yes. interiors, they're dated and looking really dated. They do look really dated, uh, yeah. I, I think I think that now listen, I mean the M two of that generation was at the F eighty seven. Is that what that is? I believe um, so. That I that's the sweetheart car, I think. I would love one of those. Um oh, maybe yeah. eventually we'll see. Yeah, that's a fun car. But but uh yeah i that would be my thing you know they the interior of this new car is really well done i think you got the i don't like the virtual dash because the tax backwards but um <laughs> the the screen the graphics and everything there's the cheap plastics in bmw are just done better than mercedes at this point I, I did sit in the new a class and the design of the dash the dual screens really nice steering wheel really nice you reach down uh to put your water bottle in the door or your wallet take your wallet out of your pocket put it in the door that's pretty cheap down there yeah and that's you been don't, mercedes thing recently yeah and get in any glc we just had a glc uh 63s coupe Okay. Uh, a couple of weeks ago okay. and um, get in the back seat and feel the plastic around the air vents uh, that right there. That's bad. Uh, that is something that even Kia does better. <laughs> see, I feel I, like it was, like you could see it was eye opening in an $87,000 car. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's no good. Um, but you feel like you can see where Mercedes allocates its funds on the interior because you look at the dash layout, like the dash design and the screens and the ceiling, mm -hmm. it's gorgeous. I think modern Mercedes yep. cabins are, they look fantastic. Like the new A class, I right. think, is a great, great looking interior. But as you say, yeah. and I've heard this from numerous journalists and enthusiasts, you know, you reach down the door bins and like really cheap, scratchy plastics. So you could see where they, right. they kind of put all the money in the things you can see, but. Mm -hmm. They kind of, you know, they they take money from things you can't see and right. to where you can see. So I feel like that's their well, priority. You're exactly correct. I mean, my my wife has a BMW. Also, we didn't talk about that car. <laughs> uh, the interior of that, the bottoms of the doors, the door panels, the interior is leather. Like 
actual napa leather on the entire length of the door so you know you if i've been in the competitor to her car she has an x5m um oh my god i've i've been into the competitor of that car the gl e 63 right yeah and man the bottom of that door is not it's <laughs> scratchy plastic and you it's just when i get in a kia i just i just had actually a hyundai venue okay that that's car thing, right yep the the little tiny toaster looking thing <laughs> um it's a cool looking car the the denim edition is the one to have um because you can get like the blue interior and everything oh okay and that car had better plastics in it than some of the Mercedes do right now. That's crazy. And that car was $23,000. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, a call out Mercedes. I mean, that's, that's any of these luxury brands. I've been in Lexuses that have cheap plastic, which is unbelievable. That is shocking. Uh, Lexus is known nobody thinks of that. Yeah, exactly. That but, shocking. uh, you find it if you look, uh, and unfortunately it's our job to look when we do this stuff. Of so. course. Yeah. I feel like that is our job. You know, anyone can, anyone is, can be yeah, like, Oh, this is great. In. But it's our job to poke, right. poke around. And you find get in. It's like, it's like, Oh, you know, this is really cool. And cause we had a, a GX, uh, 460. Okay. That car got today has the new, the new predator grill. Yeah. It's the one based on the, the forerunner. Yeah, uh, that car hasn't been changed for over a decade. Right. Right. The inside of it feels like a bank vault. It's unbelievable. The the <laughs> feeling of quality in that car is higher than some of the new cars. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. And that's just because the plastics that they use and things like that are of a higher grade than the new stuff. And I think that's like where uh Lexus is falling short in in um certain aspects my mother-in-law has an nx uh 300 great oh, car a little tiny uh, one the real real small one. no that's the ux oh that's the ux the nx is the uh x3 size okay so it's a great car bottom of the doors are pretty plasticky you really? know that's and, and Alexis. yeah and i mean i wear a watch right so every time i put my hand down to put my wallet in there my watch is whacking it. So now I got scratch marks on the plastic, you know? So that was my big thing when we actually did an article for you guys. Um, when we did an ATSV versus my old M3. Oh, okay. Yeah. The that was a while ago. That was back like 2016. Yeah. Uh, the plastics in the Cadillac let it down as an actual daily driver, right? So the stuff you feel, touch, see, was better at that time in the BMW than the Cadillac. Right. Now, looking back, the Cadillac might have been the way to go. It certainly was in terms of driving dynamics, but, um, yeah, was, you know, was a great things, things change with time, right? Yeah, for sure. And perception changes over time. It's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it is surprising when you see like a lot of these modern cars, a lot of these luxury brands, as you're saying, you know, you could see where their their funds are going. They're kind of shifting funds to tech and stuff, and you know, so you're you're skimping on some of the plastics low down where you don't see them. And I've noticed it too in a lot of you know higher end brands. But I will say one thing: I will give BMW because I've 
been a pretty harsh critic of BMW as of late, as uh, our comment mm-hmm. section will tell you. Um, one of the things that they're killing it with right now is interior quality. I mean, everything, every material in a modern BMW is excellent. Like even your, even the two series, it's a relatively inexpensive car. Um, but yeah, you, you reach down and even like the plastics and the door panels, they they feel solid. Everything feels solid. Everything feels like you it feel, does, you know, nothing's going to squeak or rattle. Nothing it does. And that's, that's what impressed me most with it when, uh, when we drove it. And it was funny. I did, um, uh, another journalist of mine, I kind of um, help out with his cha- YouTube channel and things like that. And he had a 228, and we did kind of a ride along. And we both agreed that the interior of that car was great. Um, and driving dynamics wise, it was good, but get the one with more power. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You followed your own advice. Eh? Exactly. I did. And it was, it was fun. That's good. All right, man. Um, I think we're running out of out of time a little bit here. I don't want to waste too much of your time. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate you you coming on and uh, talking to me this morning. Um, no before we go, just do your um, let you uh, plug your site real fast, so you know people know where to yeah. to find you and read your stuff. Uh, so it's limited slip blog on dot uh, com, and then we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, go like, do whatever you want to do. Follow us. Um, and you can kind of find us and we, we contribute to BMW blog every once in a while, but we haven't in a while, but yeah, as, uh, as recently mentioned, um, yeah. And check their, their stuff out, you know, Scott and all those guys, they do good stuff and they also review, you know, everything like we're primarily BMW and, you know, premium cars like BMW competitors, but they, they do everything. So if you're looking at, you know, like he's been saying, he's driving Toyotas and, you know, Hyundais and stuff. So. You know, they have a, a broader scope a little bit. So I would seriously check them out. And um, thank you, Scott, for joining us. Sure. All right, man. Be, uh, be safe in all this craziness. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.